Hello and welcome into another episode of Locked on Wolves. Today on the show, let's talk about sour grapes. The rest of the NBA is apparently complaining still about the Gobert trade. They're mad at the Jazz, they're mad at the Timberwolves. I'll tell you why that's ridiculous and why everybody else just needs to get over themselves. We'll also wrap up Summer League, what to look for moving forward. Also the Josh Minot deal. He's been signed to a contract. We'll break that down. It's all upcoming on the show. Welcome in. You are Locked on Wolves. You are Locked on Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beek and I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Today's episode is brought to us by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Happy Monday, everybody. Hopefully, you had a fantastic weekend. A big thank you, first of all, for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Of course, you can find this show uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts. It's, of course, free and available on YouTube to watch. As you'll see, I'm another day in a different location. So uh, we'll be back to the normal, um, I guess, not really that much more exciting, but the normal setup. Uh, here on tu- for Tuesday's show, but uh, you can watch this on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, it, it does look a bit different around me. Uh, you can also listen uh, anywhere you get your podcasts, Google, Apple, Spotify, Odyssey. You can find this show. Uh, and again, a big thank you for listening. You can also follow on Twitter at LockedOnTWolves and at my account, which is at BBeacon with two Bs, two Es, CK, Yet. There's actually a lot to talk about here mid-July, almost late July at this point. Uh, we're still daily Monday through Friday, and I've got a ton planned this week. Today, there's plenty to talk about. There's the sour grapes about Rudy Gobert, uh, about that trade. I want to get to that first. I want to talk about the Josh Minot signing, um, the Timberwolves contract that they, the contract the Wolves signed Minot to following Summer League, and then it, you know what that means about the current roster and cap situation. And then we'll also wrap up Summer League. The Wolves played their final Summer League game on Saturday. So a couple notes there. The rest of this week, plenty to get to. We'll talk about that at the end of the show. Uh, but let's start with the Gobert stuff. So, I mean, we're, we're what, uh, two and a half weeks now post this trade. Um, and people are still talking about it. It's to date the biggest trade, obviously, in the NBA this offseason. The, the, the Kevin Durant shoe has not dropped. And clearly the Gobert trade has had an impact on that market. We'll get to that here in a little bit. But the, the issues that people have... Uh, well, here, there's two reports that are kind of key here. One is Brian Windhorst at ESPN. I'll paraphrase here what, what was said on the podcast, but Brian Windhorst said, from the Jazz perspective, people are upset with the Jazz. Uh, people are upset with Danny Ainge, of course, who's in charge now of the Utah Jazz front office. And he's saying, look, what he got for Gobert, everybody's complaining. Um, can you believe it? How could they possibly do that? And then Windhorst says, this is direct directly from the pod that he was on. It was on his own Hoop Collective podcast at ESPN. He said, I mean, I've talked to 10 different people who have complained, I'm sub- substituting the word he used, to me about that trade. Not only did they get all that stuff, four picks, three unprotected, one lightly protected, they offloaded $140 million in salary. So now Danny Ainge has moved the game again. So he's saying people are upset with the Jazz because he doesn't say these words, but he insinuates, oh, uh, the Jazz ripped off the Wolves in this trade. Danny Ainge ripped off Tim Connolly in this trade. And then there's a report from our friend Matt Moore from the Action Network. He's, of course, uh, Hardwood Proxicism on Twitter, and he is the co-host of the Lockdown Nuggets podcast. Um, and Matt reported in his article on the actionnetwork.com, he's, of course, one of the hosts of Lockdown NBA as well. Uh, he says, uh, I'll, I'll read this directly from his article. He says, um, 
there's there's some wondering in league circles about who exactly pushed hard enough for the Wolves to trade four picks and a swap for Rudy Gobert. Was it Tim Connolly looking to make his stamp immediately or eventual new ownership in Mark Laurie looking to reshape the team in his and A-Rod's image? And then he goes on to quote a couple of executives that, that says basically, you know, this is crazy, blah, blah, blah. And then at the end of it, uh, Matt says, this is an inherent issue, uh, this being... Um, uh, the market being damaged by a team, quote unquote, overpaying for a player. He says, this is an issue when you have 30 teams actively competing against each other while also being responsible for market stability. The Wolves' primary responsibility is not to the market, but to themselves. If it makes things harder for another team, that, in fact, is a feature, not a bug. As one executive said, quote, yeah, Minnesota screwed us if we look to move one of our key guys, but isn't that what they should want? End quote. These are fascinating perspectives because it's absolutely true. The Wolves completely turned the market on its head. They overturned the market, the trade market for a star player. Because immediately this came, this happened, what, a day after the Kevin Durant report that he was looking to get traded from Brooklyn and Brooklyn was listening. And there, you know, the Wolves had called Brooklyn and all this, all these other, everybody basically in the league had called Brooklyn. And then the Gobert trade happens and everyone says, well, if Gobert gets five firsts and three starters, essentially three rotation guys, what's Durant going to get? seven firsts and you know what's he worth really at that point he's probably worth eight or nine firsts if you could possibly trade that many um and why should that bother the wolves the wolves got what they wanted the wolves wanted another all nba player they wanted the best defensive player arguably in the league they wanted the best defensive big to pair with carl anthony towns they wanted the synergistic fit between a player who can fill in where Towns has gaps in Gobert and a player who has Towns to fill in for his gaps. Uh, Towns, you know, covering where Rudy struggles. Um, yes, the Wolves overpaid. And I, I've talked about this on the show. In a vacuum, they paid too much for Gobert. But there's so many other layers here, right? If they really believe Gobert is the perfect fit, then why shouldn't you pay what you think you need to pay to, to get that completed? Who cares if it upsets the market? And as Matt points out in his article on the Action Network, it's a feature, not a bug. Who cares? It's an ancillary benefit, right? If Kevin Durant doesn't end up in Phoenix, if he doesn't end up in the Western Conference at all, maybe because the Timberwolves really messed up the trade market with their Rudy trade, Tim Connolly's going to smile about it. He, he's happy about that, right? I, I'm not at all suggesting he did this. I don't think it's a chess versus checkers. I don't think anyone seriously thinks that that was part of this. was like, oh, let's overpay. So Durant doesn't end up in the Western Conference. No, but it doesn't hurt if that's an ancillary benefit, right? I don't think Connolly's upset about that. If if this then makes it harder for the Nets to trade Kevin Durant, keep him in Brooklyn, keep him unhappy, keep him out of the Western Conference playoff race. Sure, that's great. Um, so if, if that kind of upsets the trade market and causes teams to, to pause before they do stuff, that's not an issue. And who cares if the Wolves paid a little bit extra for a player they feel like fits perfectly? And then there's also the market layer. I, I think it would be remiss to ignore the fact that the Wolves aren't going to remember they were going to have cap space next summer they weren't going to attract a true uh a, a max player a 1a to minnesota you look at the list of guys who are going to be free agents next summer they were going to have to overpay somebody give somebody the max that didn't deserve it which would be a bigger issue than what they ended up doing uh you know a player who's worth the max currently may maybe gobert won't be in four or five years but he is currently and yes they had to give up picks is different than signing a free agent but that's better than overpaying somebody on a max contract next summer in free agency that doesn't deserve it or clinging onto that cap space. What we see too often happen with the Knicks and well, the Knicks are probably the easiest example, but all these other teams that hoard this cap space and don't get the top flight free agents. So then they fill it with these other contracts, these one, two, three year deals, mostly two and three year deals that clog the cap space. And now you've compounded the issue. The Wolves instead said, okay, we'll give up a lot of assets in Beverly and Vanderbilt and, 
uh, Balmaro and Beasley. We'll give up these guys plus five, essentially, first-round picks and, and Kessler this year, so six if you include Kessler in the swap. Um, but we also know we're getting a player who is worth what he's being paid now. We're getting a second top 20 player. The Wolves now have two top 20, or I'll give you top 25 players, plus Anthony Edwards, plus D'Angelo Russell, and now depth as they've continued to do work in free agency with Kyle Anderson, Austin Rivers, and um, Bryn Forbes, and, and the way that they filled out the roster. So clearly, uh, it doesn't bother the Wolves that other teams are upset with them or upset with the Jazz or, or whatever that might be. This was an intelligent, um, or I, I guess the better way of saying it is, is it's a, as I said before, an ancillary benefit if other teams are ticked off about this. The Wolves don't care. It's not They're not obligated to set the market for everybody else. They're obligated to look out for themselves and themselves only. I'm sure this is a combination of Connolly wanting to make a splash and Laurie and A-Rod wanting to make a splash and Glenn Taylor wanting to win now. All those things absolutely play into it. Remember, Glenn's only got probably two seasons left in charge as the majority owner. And we know that Laurie loves win shares. We know that Laurie loves advanced metrics. We know that Laurie sees that stuff and knows that Rudy has an impact in those areas. So there are so many different factors at play here. And this was kind of the perfect storm. And Danny Ainge, credit to him for capitalizing and saying, hey, look, we could run this thing back and still probably be a second round playoff team. And and you get lucky from there. You could win a title. I still think it, you know, it, he could have done that, right? He could have taken a lottery ticket on another season of Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. But he said, look, we're not going to get more than this for Rudy. So, I mean, the Jazz are happy. The Wolves are happy. Obviously, we'll see how it plays out on the court. But the sour grapes are hilarious that the Wolves, first people were mad that the Wolves overpaid for Tim Connolly and that they offered whatever this equity thing, and it's not pure equity, but whatever this bonus structure is for Tim Connolly that that the Kroenke family was so upset about in Denver. Who cares? They're trying to win. And then they overpay for Rudy Gobert. Who cares? They're trying to win. For so many years, the Tim Wolves and other teams in, in the Twin Cities market have under, they, they've, I guess, underpaid, right? They haven't taken that leap. The Wolves have now taken multiple major leaps in the last several weeks. And the league doesn't like it. Who cares? The Wolves are accountable to themselves and to their fans, uh, to their ownership group. And it they got to do what they got to do to win. Who cares? I just think it's hilarious uh, to watch to watch the sour grapes pour in from around the league. Um, so anyway, that's my take on it. All right. I want to talk about the Josh Minot contract signing here in a minute because he did sign over the weekend and is now under contract, which means... The Wolves just have the one roster spot remaining. So I want to get to that here next. First, though, let's talk about our friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including Major League Baseball, which is now at the All-Star break, uh, Home Run Derby Monday night, All-Star Game Tuesday. I'm sure all that's on BetOnline. You can also look ahead to NFL preseason, which is like three weeks away now. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sport wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. Plus, BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Which NFL stars move the betting line the most starting July 18th? That's today. Monday, July 18th, Lockdown gives you the 50 most valuable players in the NFL from the odds makers at BetOnline. Available July 18th on Lockdown NFL, wherever you listen to your podcast, plus on YouTube. 
All right, let's talk about Josh Minot. Um, Timberwolves second round pick, of course. We know Mateo Spaniolo is going to play overseas, uh, so that leaves uh, obviously Wendell Moore as the first round pick after Kessler was traded. Wendell Moore has the guaranteed rookie first round uh, first round rookie deal. So the question was, would Josh Minot sign a two-way deal? Would they give him a partially guaranteed deal? And they did go the route of giving him that four-year, essentially a minimum deal, which is basically exactly what the Wolves did with Jalen Noel a couple of years ago, I guess three years ago, as a second-round pick, and with Nas Reed as an undrafted rookie that same year. Those guys are each in the final year of their four-year deals. They're each going to make about $1.9 million this year. Josh Minot will make a little bit over a million over the course of the contract, I think it averages maybe uh, 1.7 per year. Uh, by the by, year four, he'll be mine. It will be making about 2.2 million. It's effectively the same deal with the cap rising. It's the same thing that the Wolves did with Nas Reed and Jalen Noel three years ago. Um, and of course, both of those have turned out to be bargains. Uh, you know, year one, either of those guys played very much, but as the years went on and those guys got more NBA experience and, and they were pressed into service with the Wolves. It became clear that both of them were legit NBA rotation players, and and you know I don't know what Nas Reed's role is going to look like. We talked about that a little bit on Friday's show, but he's a he's an NBA rotation player. Jalen Noel is going to be a key player off the bench for the Wolves this year, essentially assuming that quote unquote Malik Beasley role. I've talked before. I don't he doesn't play like Beasley, but it's essentially that microwave scorer off the bench six man type role. Jalen Noel is a big part of this team. Nas Reed is a big part of this team. Both of them are making under two million dollars this year. Complete bargain signings and great moves by the Gerson Rosas front office three years ago. Josh Minot, same deal. Uh, it's going to end up being four years, and I think it's like 6.8 or 6.9 million over the course of the four years. Um, again, it'll be up to about 2.2 million that final season. But this is essentially a minimum contract. The Wolves still have the biannual exception to use. So uh, I guess first let's talk about Minot and what that means for this year. And then we'll talk about the rest of the offseason and the roster and, this, and the cap situation. Uh, well, it's basically the same as Nas and Jalen Noel from three years ago. Josh Minot's not a rotation guy from day one, just like like Leandro Balmaro wasn't last year. He ended up getting a chance due to injuries and COVID and um, situational. You know, they gave him a start, I think, in Philadelphia or Washington or wherever that was, and they gave him a couple of games in the rotation and ended up not working out. Perhaps Minot will get an opportunity at some point this season. Hopefully there aren't injuries, but this is a really deep team. I talked about this the other day, one through 12. You have a starting lineup that's all basically one through 12. You're talking about guys who have all been a part of a rotation of a playoff team. I mean, you've got a bench with Jalen Noel and Austin Rivers and Bryn Forbes and Nas Reed and all these guys aren't going to play Torian Prince. These guys, Kyle Anderson, they're not all going to be in the rotation. Uh, very likely on opening night, they're going to play nine or 10 guys. And and I'm guessing Austin Rivers and Bryn Forbes could be the two that are left out. Um, or it could be Jordan McLaughlin, depending on matchups. This is a really deep team. So don't expect Josh Minot to get minutes right away. But I talked about him in regards to Summer League about a week ago after that really strong showing, I guess a little over a week ago, or would have been a week ago, it would have been Monday's show last week, that Minot could play that Brandon Clark-esque role for the Wolves. The Wolves need that their, what was the Jared Vanderbilt role last year to be filled. They need somebody to be that energetic front court player who can kind of do it all, the, the do stuff guy, right? The blocks, the steals. Um, you know, jumping passing lanes, getting out in transition, rim running, um, you know, filling the dunker spot and, and getting offensive boards and stuff like that. That's what Josh Minot's going to do. He's not going to do it from day one. He won't be in the rotation from day one, but maybe it's a end of the season thing. Maybe it's a fill in here and there thing. Maybe it's a, a 23, 24 thing, a next season thing. Um, looking ahead to next fall, perhaps he ends up in the rotation, but either way, He's going to be making less than $2 million each of the next two years and just over $2 million the two years after that. So if he can provide anything over the next four years, anything positive, remember, Noel and Nasri didn't do much as rookies. 
then he will be a steal of a draft pick and a steal of a signing for the Wolves. So don't expect him to be in the rotation immediately. Expect him to probably get some run at the Iowa Wolves of the G League. I think that's very possible here this year. Um, Related to the current roster and cap situation, the Wolves now have one open roster spot after signing Austin Rivers. I guess it was late last Thursday, so we talked about that on Friday's show. And they signed, uh, of course, Josh Minot now. So there's one open roster spot plus the two-way deals. Very likely Nate Knight ends up, they've issued the qualifying offer. Likely he ends up in one of those two-way deals. So we'll call it one more two-way deal and a roster spot. They have the biannual exception available to use. Um, So they could go out and sign somebody else who's still in the market. Of course, DeMarcus Cousins gets talked about a ton as a possibility. I don't love it right now. It feels like, it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Wolves go into the season with an open roster spot, see how things play out. Hopefully there's no injuries, but in the event that there are, Perhaps it's a boogie. Perhaps it's a it's another move to fill that spot, uh, to fill that roster spot with potentially the BAE, the biannual exception. Um, otherwise, it's a roster spot and it's a two-way deal. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about a couple candidates for the two-way spot here in the last segment of the show. Uh, but the Wolves have maintained a little bit of flexibility and considering they're base, they basically signed Bryn Forbes, Austin Rivers, and Josh Minot all at vet minimum, well, not in Minot's case, but minimum deals for what, for what they're available to be paid. Forbes, Rivers, and Minot, that's some pretty good filling out of the roster by Tim Connolly and his staff. Um, And now, like I said a minute ago, 1 through 12 or 1 through 13 even, you could argue this is a really, really deep team. Um, Of course, you've got your starting lineup. You've got your big, really, it's kind of a, you know, it's a big four now with Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, Rudy Gobert, and Anthony Edwards. And then you add in, uh, obviously, Jaden McDaniels in his upside. You've got your bench with Kyle Anderson and Torian Prince and um, Nas Reed and Jalen Noel and Bryn Forbes and Austin Rivers. That doesn't even include your first-round pick, Wendell Moore Jr., and then now your second-round pick, Josh Minot. That's a 1-13 through 13, uh, with the 13th guy being Wendell Moore Jr. There's some upside and there's some stability, some veteran leadership still with that group. Uh, it's really really impressive roster building, um, I think, when it comes down to it. So we'll see what they do at the final roster spot. We'll see if they do use that biennial exception and how they use it. Um, and, and if it's, or if possibly they've done this a couple times recently, left a roster spot open going into the season for a just-in-case type of a situation. Um, the only remaining free agent they have that is still out there is Jake Lehman. I think it's pretty unlikely he's back. Um, and then, of course, there's the pending situation with Nate Knight. I want to talk about the other two-way spot here in a minute, as we close out the Summer League conversation. So we're going to do that here next. All right, the Timberwolves closed, closed out Las Vegas Summer League on Saturday. They finished with a 2-3 and three record after they beat the Charlotte Hornets by three. Um, it was actually arguably the most exciting summer league game. Uh, there were a couple of duds in there, certainly. Um, but I mean, it finished pretty fittingly. Josh Minot blocking a Hornets shot attempt uh, just before the buzzer. That was a potential game tying shot. Kevon Harris fittingly was, uh, you know, the leading scorer for the wolves in this game um, and played really well, was the only wolves player with over 20 points. Um, and uh, we'll talk more about him in just a second, but I think it was kind of what we kind of a microcosm of the five games as a whole, where Kevon Harris scored a lot. Uh, the Timberwolves as a whole were relatively sloppy. Josh Minot had his moments. He shot five of eight. He had five boards, a couple steals, a couple blocks, uh, had the game saving, if you will, block uh, or game preserving, I guess, block. Um, 
Wendell Moore did his thing where he had a fairly well-rounded game, but missed too many threes and, and, you know, just was a little bit sloppier than you'd like him to be, but showed the ability to do all the different things that the Wolves expected him to do when they drafted him. So we'll talk about him in a second too. The only kind of outlier type performance was the Matt Lewis performance. He, of course, was on the Iowa Wolves of the G League last year. Uh, didn't play in one or two of these summer league games and, and saw his minutes increase as summer league went on. He played, he scored 19 points off the bench for the Wolves on Saturday. Shot seven of 14, hit a couple of threes. He likely will be back with the Iowa Wolves. I wouldn't expect him on an Exhibit 10 or wouldn't expect him in training camp necessarily, but the Wolves obviously like him on some level to have him on the Iowa Wolves all last year and then invite him back to summer league this year. So good game for Matt Lewis. Let's talk about uh, Kevon Harris, though. Um, well, actually, no. Let's talk about Wendell Moore first. So Moore had an up and down summer league. He had a couple of really strong games, but for the most part, he was kind of middle of the road. Where the the you know the counting stats looked good, the points, the rebounds, and assists were pretty good. The shooting percentages weren't great, and there were kind of a lot of turnovers. There were some Olay moments defensively, but he competed. And the way I've described him all along is kind of a two way role player, if that makes sense. He's somebody who should be fairly well rounded as an overall player. He should be able to defend and distribute and shoot threes and do all these things at an adequate NBA level. And he demonstrated all of that in summer league, a little bit sloppy, a little bit raw, but a player that improved consistently throughout his time at Duke. Remember he shot under 30% over his first two years at Duke from outside the arc it was over 40% as a senior, a player who, you know, to a person who talks about Wendell Moore and apparently coach K is, is as he often is for Duke players, one of his biggest champions, a player who knew what he needed to do to get better, took instruction and continued to improve. And we saw a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, I don't know, basically that in summer league. And it was a five game microcosm, but we we saw the um, the suggestion that he's going to continue to improve at the NBA level. the The fact that right now he can kind of plug and play and do a few of these things with certainly some roughness around the edges. I thought it was overall a good summer league for for Wendell Moore. I don't think it, there was anything alarming. Um, I think everyone knows he's got to continue to work on a shot and prove that his last year at Duke wasn't a fluke in terms of his outside shooting. He's got to be a little more consistent on those corner threes. Um, the turnovers, you know, he's not going to be asked to initiate offense as much at the NBA level, certainly not right away, as I said a minute ago, likely the 13th guy on the roster. Um, he was asked to get outside his comfort zone and do a little bit more of that in Vegas. It's what the Wolves did with Jalen Noel and Jaden McDaniels last summer. And both of those guys took pretty impressive mini jumps this season with the big Timberwolves in the NBA. Um, so hopefully Wendell Moore is challenged to do that at the Iowa Wolves this year. Hopefully he gets some time in the G League and, and when called upon at the NBA level. Um, hopefully there's some of that from Wendell Moore as well. But I thought it was a fine summer league for him. Remember, he's doesn't have the expectations on him that some of these lottery picks do um, or other first round picks might. He's going to be expected to be a depth piece and learn on the fly. To I mean, Tim Connolly said this right after the draft that these guys aren't going to be expected to step into a playoff team and immediately contribute. They're going to be expected to, um, you know, learn, be ready if called upon, and then in a year or two be a part of the rotation. And and that's the hope with Wendell Moore is maybe twelve months from now we're talking about him ramping up to being a rotation piece. Perhaps you know Jalen Noel's a free agent after this year. There's going to be some roster spots opening up. Uh, Torian Prince is a non guaranteed deal next off season or next year. I should say the 23-24 season is not guaranteed. There will be opportunities if Wendell Moore shows in practice and in limited action at the NBA level and perhaps at the G League that he's ready for it. He'll get the opportunity next year as well. Um, Josh Minet, another, like I said, 12-5, and five, a couple steals, a couple blocks, no turnovers. He didn't have any offensive rebounds, but he had that game-preserving block was active, did a little bit of everything. That's going to be his role. I think he's got a clearer path to minutes, honestly, from day one. Now, neither him or Wendell Moore will be in the rotation from day one, but I think he's got a clearer path to minutes because he can play the four um, and be effective 
in that position and in that energy, that Jared Vanderbilt-esque role for the Wolves if they need it early this season, if they need a jolt, if they need somebody to provide, you know, do stuff around the fringes um, to provide energy minutes, Josh Minot could be the guy. And he was that in summer league. It was very impressive. Um, I should mention Mariel Shayak. Mariel Shayak was one of my favorite uh, favorites in summer league. He had seven points, 10 assists, four steals in this game. Uh, misses only two three-point attempts, but he's a kind of a, a limited upside three and D type guy. Of course he has the NBA experience with Philadelphia. I thought he had an outside shot at getting an invite to training camp, perhaps an exhibit 10 type guy to play in, play in the G league, or maybe even a two way deal. I think that's probably less likely because of the limited upside, but maybe I'd keep an eye on him as a possibility. Kevon Harris is the player that rightfully so everybody's talking about 23 points on 11 shots in this game, made all four of his three point attempts. He did turn it over seven times and only had one assist. Uh, also committed five personal fouls, both turnovers and fouls were a little bit of an issue for Harris during summer league, but he could score the ball. Making the open threes, we know he has range on the three-pointer. We saw lots of 25, 26, 28-foot jumpers from him over the course of Summer League. We also saw him score in traffic. He had a couple of tough buckets in this game in traffic, um, a nice dunk, a couple of nice kind of up-and-under reverses. Uh, we saw, obviously, the and one from the first game of Summer League. That was a, a monster highlight, the, the poster and one that he had. Um, so Kevon Harris is really intriguing and a little bit of upside there, but I think both in the case of Harris and Shayok, they can be plug-and-play type guys, and perhaps the Wolves are looking for that with their two-way two-way spots. Remember, this is a team that expects to be a second-round playoff team. They want to be a top three, four, five seed in the Western Conference. So if you fill your two-ways with Nate Knight and, say, a Shayok or a Kevon Harris, those are more experienced, older players who should be able to plug-and-play in, in, due to in, case, uh, in the case of injuries or COVID or, or issues like that. Instead of finding these undrafted rookies, you know, like the Wolves have done in the past with a Jordan McLaughlin or I guess Nas Reed's a better example, or last year McKinley Wright, guys who weren't necessarily ready to play, um, but they had a you know they they had some upside, and so you think maybe we could develop them, potentially convert them into into NBA contracts down the road. Now, because the Wolves are in the place that they're in currently, do they just look for guys that have? perhaps lower ceilings, but higher floors. And again, plug and play ability from day one. So Shayok and Harris could both fit that bill. Don't be surprised if one of those guys fills that second two way alongside Nate Knight. Um, overall in summer league though, two and three for the Wolves, uh, solid performance from Wendell Moore, very good, encouraging performance from Josh Minot. Kevon Harris, uh, kind of a revelation. Mariel Shayok, some good moments. Mateo Spagnolo, some good feel moments. It didn't talk a lot about him because he was kind of in that 10 to 12, 14 minute range throughout summer league. He had some nice moments, some nice passes, but clearly is a bit raw. Shot selection needs some work. We knew that. But Spagnolo will go back over and play in Europe again this year. Um, so another, obviously, player to keep an eye on. But I think the the two names to watch for as potential potential two way signees, or we may see them in training camp, would be Kevon Harris, who I believe did sign an Exhibit Ten deal, so he should be in training camp regardless. And then Mariel Shayak would be another one that I, I like. Terrell Brown Jr. did not play in this game, but he'd be another one from a point guard perspective to potentially keep an eye on here moving forward. So um, that does it for Vegas. Another summer league in the books. You know, one of the I guess generally more anticlimactic ones for the Wolves with only the one first round pick to root for. Um, and of course, no Walker Kessler, who everybody was excited to see in a Wolves uniform. But um, yeah, I mean, that that's it for Summer League. And hopefully we, f we get a little bit of clarity here on those two-way spots here in the very near future. All right, rest of the week, we got shows... Uh, Every day this week through Friday, I want to talk about Seth Partnaw on, on The Athletic. He did his tiers. I want to give my thoughts on where he ranked different Wolves players throughout his tiers. Um, and then several other things to cover as the week goes on, you know, what this roster is going to look like, et cetera, as we gear up uh, for kind of the, the, 
the meat of the off season. And by that, I mean, uh, meat isn't the right word. I guess the desert portion of the off season where there's just generally less, but there's still a lot to talk about. This is an exciting Wolves team. Um, and uh, I think the tears conversation is a really fun one. So we'll get to that here a little bit later this week. Um, thanks again for listening to Lockdown Wolves. Of course, a reminder, you can find this show anywhere. Uh, that includes, of course, Apple, Google, Spotify, Odyssey, and YouTube. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Network. And the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. A reminder that you can make your second listen, the Lockdown NBA show. You can get up to date on the latest news and rumors in the NBA in just 30 minutes every day with the Lockdown NBA show. Lockdown NBA, your daily NBA update in just 30 minutes. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.